Welcome back to Juncture Podcast. If this is your first time listening, Juncture represents my love of films and dreams and the similarities between them. These are also the two topics discussed on this podcast. Dreams are the films our mind creates and films are dreams actualized. I use my multidisciplinary background to examine films and dreams through the use of symbolism, imagery, motifs, and other narrative and visual techniques involved in storytelling and understanding meaning. Today's podcast is going to be about the film Set It Off. Um, This is part uh, two in my bank robbery um, movie binge. Last week, not last week, um, first week of August, I did Hell or High Water, which is a, a some about two brothers who decide to rob a bank or several banks. Set It Off is a 1996 American crime drama, wait, crime action heist film directed by F. Gary Gray and written by Katie Lanier and Takashi Buford. The film stars Jada Pinkett Smith as Stoney, Queen Latifah as Cleo, Vivica A. Fox as Frankie, and Kimberly Elise as Titi. This is also, um, this was her film debut. The film follows the four best friends in LA after they decide to plan and execute a bank robbery. Four women on the main cast. It also stars John C. McGinley as Detective Strode, Blair Underwood as Keith Weston, Ella Joyce as Detective Waller, Chaz Lamar Shepard as Stevie Newsom, that's um, Stoney's little brother, Thomason, Thomas Jefferson Bird as Luther, that's their, their boss that they work for, Charlie Robertson as Nate Andrews, Samuel Monroe Jr. as Lorenz, and Dr. Dre as Black Sam. The topics I'm going to be discussing, um, several topics, categories. The first one and the most important one is their motives, the motives of the four women. Um, I summed it up to basically being powerlessness, revenge, and um, feeling cornered slash not having any options. Um, Also being unprepared kind of just rushing into this idea of robbing banks and then i'm going to do a quick comparison contrast um, with the film that i analyzed last time which was hell or high water and then closing it out on something sort of funny and positive are um i just kind of lumped these together which are funny parts of the film um questions that i had after watching it and then also forgot to do a spoiler alert but before i finish that sentence about the last topic that i'm going to cover spoiler alert if you haven't seen this movie turn back now um i'm gonna say quite a few things i'm say a lot of things that are gonna ruin it for you if you haven't watched the movie so if you haven't seen the movie and you want to see the movie, you don't want it to be ruined, turn back now. <laughs> back to the regularly scheduled program. Um, so the last topic was going to be funny parts, um, questions that I had after watching the film. 
And then um, where's Stoney? Like where I imagined she ended up after all of this. So starting off, first one is their motives. Um, like I mentioned earlier, powerlessness, revenge, and feeling cornered, um, not having any options. In the beginning, the very beginning of the film, it immediately is set up where you, where it visually shows you everyone's motives that motivate them to decide to do this bank robbery. And um, basically it's how they all got screwed over and find themselves cornered in very difficult situations. And it's a series of events for each of these women that prevents them from moving beyond their circumstances. So it's things that, you know, they think life is going fine or it's going okay. And, you know, one thing leads to another and these things happen in their lives that make them feel like they don't have any other choice but to rob this bank. Um, it's it's everyone has their own like thing, but not their own thing, but you know the own set of circumstances, the own event that sort of pushes them over the edge. But I feel like with Stoney in particular, and I'll go into detail later, it was like, it was it was just one event after another for her. Instead of just one big event being a tipping point, for Stoney, it was like, it was multiple events. In the beginning, the robbing the bank was just kind of like something they kind of said, Cleo suggested and um, Frankie was like, yeah, let's do it. But it, it was it was still just an idea. But then after each of these events happen, that sort of pushes the women over the edge. The two reluctant ones, Stoney and TT, come on board. And then those events just push the other two, Cleo and Frankie, um, just to be more fueled and motivated even more to follow through with this idea. So it's just um, fuel to the fire. Specific things, events that happen in the women's lives that push them over the edge. The opening scene starts off with Frankie. It's just like right off the bat, it's just stuff is just about to go wrong. Frankie gets um, fired from her job after the boss and the police pretty much believed that she was in on the robbery. Um, the bank that she is a teller at is robbed and the people in the, the people that are robbing the bank, um, Frankie knows them from the neighborhood. And so they're like, well, you know them from the neighborhood, you must've been in on it. The police just, they have they have no sympathy for her for her situation or the fact that she was just involved in a violent she was just targeted she just witnessed a violent um bank robbery the very opening scene it opens up to this black and white sign that says next in line and so 
I guess it's it's like the sign they put at the like right at the front of the the desk or the booth, the counter where the tellers are. And it was just I I kind of felt like that was sort of a message or like a symbol and it was basically for me I believe that it was like saying it was Frankie's turn next in line to get screwed over because the next in line she's she's you know doing her teller stuff at the counter and she goes next in line and then the next person that comes up is the dude that she recognized from around the way and he's the one that pulls out a gun he's about to rob the bank so it's her turn it's her turn of events for her and I also felt like it was kind of like saying that it was fate that this is what it was it was fated to, to for this to happen to her there's a brief conversation before the guy comes up to her um, booth or her window whatever and she's talking to a co-worker and the co-worker is leaving to go on her wife or I think her honeymoon or something and it I kind of felt like I assumed that Frankie was gonna take part of this woman's shift or something she was saying something about you know yeah girl go ahead and leave early before I change my mind and so I was like so was was Frankie would Frankie would have been the one that left at that time and the other woman would have stayed and then she would have been the one that would have waited on the guy that was gonna rob the bank and then the events would happen completely different and so it wasn't it wasn't explicitly said that's what it was but that just it made me think like this woman's leaving and then Frankie's next in line to you know take this guy and then he ends up you know he just happens to be robbing the bank they just happen to know each other and I was like it, she had no choice but like she was bound to be screwed like this was fate this was gonna happen to her you know um so I don't know about that but I I think that might have been what it was when the guy comes up to her 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 window she freezes after the robbery the detective detective strode asked her if she remembers protocol and I'm like you know yeah after the fact she can recite the protocol and knows what to do when she's being robbed but like in the moment that's a completely different thing you know being trained in a controlled setting versus being actually being in a robbery and having someone point a gun to your head and the dude also shot someone in the head in front of her and I'm like, was she was supposed what was she supposed to remember anything after just witnessing all of that? And this guy like in front of her with this gun and then later on he ends up shooting somebody. I'm just like to just they just did not have any sympathy for her. They were questioning her like she was a suspect. And it's like, even if she was a suspect, you know, like you would think there would be some type of police protocol to where like you know, hey, maybe she's not a suspect. Let's not grill this woman like, you know, she's Osama bin Laden or something. They were just they were out of line. Uh it was it was it was 
infuriating to like watch this unfold and like watch her get fired and it's like they didn't care they they did not care they were like oh she's one of them she's a criminal she's uh she was in on it robbing the bank and i'm just like i don't know it's it's beyond my comprehension that you know it was racism i would say definitely and in the 90s and then being la like it was 90 was it 96 it was just i mean not that things are you know any different now but um it was definitely the time um so but that that really uh, it just having that being the open scene like really gets you like fired up and so when everything else happens to everyone else it's like Oh, you thought you were mad after Frankie getting fired over this. You're just as mad as everybody else by the time everyone gets, you know, all the women get screwed over and all these things happen to them. So, Stoney, um, her her series of events happen, um, her, first, her first event happens after Frankie's event. So, Stoney has a little brother named Stevie, and in the First, he tells her that he was denied the scholarship to pay for college. So she's like, well, okay, you got in, um, but we still need some money. So she ends up talking to this this guy who she was, I think, trying to work for at one point. She ends up sleeping with him for, I think it was like $2,000. And then after she sleeps with this guy, she didn't, she didn't want to sleep with him. She just slept with him to have her, to have him, um, give her like an advance on whatever he said that she was going to make while working for him. So he was like, okay, I'll give you the advance, but you need to do something for me. So she sleeps with this guy named Nate. Then when she shows her brother this check she has, you know, she's like, oh, we just got this little bit, but it's something to get you started. Then her brother tells her that he lied about um, the scholarship. He didn't even get accepted into UCLA. So she did all of this. She did, you know, all of that. And it's like he didn't need the money because he didn't get in anyway. And then it's like, yeah, it's just, it's just like you know one thing after the other you know like she thought that this college this chance for college education was going to get her brother out of the hood and so you know it's like he gets out of the hood he can do better for himself and then she's done her job in raising him because just four years prior their parents were killed in a car accident so she's been raising her brother and so she's like okay get him off the college he can be successful he can graduate college start his career I've done my job I've raised him and then I assume that she was you know after she's done all that and sent him off on his way to start his life she was finally going to start trying to do something for herself you know take care of herself put herself first y'all she did all that he didn't even get accepted at UCLA I don't even know (sighs) you know it's I wanted to like punch her brother for like doing that. I was like, do you realize what she had to do to get this money? You could have told her that in the beginning and y'all could have argued about that before she even had to sleep with the dude. But anyway, 
Then on top of that, the third event, um, her brother gets shot with a case of mistaken identity. They thought he was the guy who was involved in the bank robbery um, at the bank where Frankie worked at, but it wasn't him. It was it was Stoney's brother. So, so after that, you know, she's lost her parents. You know, she's lost her brother, and then sort of like this roller coaster of emotions, even before he was murdered. After all of those three events, it really, really pushed her um, to move forward with agreeing to rob the bank. So the cops that were involved, because, you know, detectives Strode and Waller, who were, you know, they're investigating these bank robberies. So they were there on the scene when Stevie's brother, I mean, Sony's brother got shot. So they all know that this is the cop that's behind all of this. And, you know, so they're aware of that. And so she pretty much hates this guy. And she's like, yeah, I want to I wanna steal from these banks. And I want to get away with it. And I want these cops to not catch me. I feel like it was sort of like not only as a revenge on like the bank for, you know, the, the, the bank, get all the banks because Frankie got fired. But it's like... Um, these people in power, these people that are in charge of everything, or that they're you know have more um, more control over their own lives and more control over your lives than you have over your life. So like you know a big you know f you to them and just this is like revenge for everybody and everything that's ever sort of screwed them over especially in the recent events culminating up to this something else that i wanted to point out about the brother and college and scholarship i and i've seen this in multiple movies as well but this is kind of off topic but kind of on topic but when people are like in the movies and they're, they're like oh i can't go to college i i don't know why they, i mean i guess it's necessary for the plot or the movie to push or the show whatever to push forward but i was like why do they act like there's no thing as such thing as student loans or like financial aid like he just wasn't gonna be able to go you know what i mean like and i mean i know it's a lot of money but i'm like this was the 90s i mean just thinking about when i started college to by the time i graduated how much more expensive things were i was like they could have that two thousand dollars could have probably been like for you know a first semester. I mean, I imagine that that's how cheap it was in the nineties. Like that literally could have been the first semester of college, or maybe both semesters, the whole the whole year of college. Maybe at UCLA, I don't know. Maybe UCLA was kind of expensive, but that two two grand would have been a, a good chunk of change, I think, at least to get started. And it's like they didn't apply for financial aid. I mean, if he's talking to people at the school like he said he was. They didn't tell him about financial aid. Like, how could, how did they not like? I don't, I don't know how I was in the nineties. I don't know. Maybe there was something that I don't know. That I didn't understand that was different than my process. But I was like, she doing all this. He's freaking out because he didn't get the scholarship. And I'm just like, just get financial aid. Just go into debt like the rest of us and take out student loans. Um, <laughs> But um, like I said, I don't know if that was for 
the plot to move forward or it also kinds of kind of fits in in them sort of uh, being a, a a product of their circumstances kind of being short-sighted and not really uh, understanding or knowing about the college process so I was like maybe they just didn't know and then people maybe the people at the financial office did not explain that to them but I was like this is that is messed up because I mean like she didn't want to sleep with that dude trying to get this money for her brother also with Stoney, I felt like she was the most level-headed one, the most calm one. Titi was also very calm, but she was also, I think, the least experienced and probably the most naive of the four women. So I think Stoney, from the beginning, like seeing her character and seeing who she was and her thought process, I you know, seeing, you know, knowing how everything turned out, I think they really positioned her uh, from the very beginning. Um, her character was positioned to be the only survivor out of all of them. Because I was like, she's the only one that's kind of making sense. She kind of, she, she kind of knows what's up. She's like not quick to like rush into things. Um, and, you know, even after everything happened, she was still pretty, um, level-headed over it all so I was like okay this is how they definitely pushed um positioned her to be the survivor to be the one to make it out of the out of the uh out of the hood and then there were other things as well that sort of kind of gave it away that she was gonna make it and that that was that's that's how the story was supposed to go for her the other ones were not supposed to make it but I'm gonna get into that next um, so she falls in love, I mean, or like, I mean, I don't know how long she knew Keith, but Keith was a manager at one of the banks that they ended up robbing, but she met him while, um, her and TT were casing a bank and he tried to holler at her while she was walking around the bank. Um, but I really liked his character and I mean he was a little bit annoying but I still liked his character and I like him you know Keith with Stoney I really wanted good things for them you know I'm, at first I was like I kind of want her to like not rob this bank and just start this life with Keith and just I don't know just leave all her friends behind and be like this is me time it's number one I gotta do what's best for me I just, I was like, you know, go, don't go through it, Stoney. You can start, you know, without, you know, being a bank robber, having a criminal record, or, you know, doing all that and just start your life with Keith. Or if not Keith, just get up and go. Just leave the hood and just go. Like, you know, I wanted her to not rob the bank so she would have more options in life, but that's not how the story went. So Stoney... Um, one night, Stoney asks Keith if he feels free. She says she feels caged. She's uh, trapped by her circumstances. And poverty makes you feel caged and trapped because money equals freedom. And freedom equals power. I mean, you can go wherever you want. You can do all these different things. You have more options, more possibilities. Keith is like this door to freedom with her 
Keith represents her possibilities. She sees what could be with Keith. She sees who she could be outside of her neighborhood. Um, Stoney sees her future, and I think she sees it for the first time because by this point in the movie, I think her brother has died. Both of her parents have been, you know, they were killed in a car accident four years prior. So she she doesn't have any immediate family, has doesn't have any ties to the community except for her four, you know, her three best friends that she's known for years and years. And so I just wanted her to leave. Just like pick up I mean, she didn't even have to go with Keith. She and Keith said that he was he said something like you know, you can just stay with me or you can just stay for a little bit, whatever, until you make up your mind what you want to do, where you want to go. So Keith was just like open to be like, this can be a long term thing or a short term thing, whatever it is. Um, you know, you have room, you know, just take just come live here, stay here um, out of the situation that she was in and figure out where she wants to go, what she wants to do. And I think that he would have been open he would have been okay maybe i think with her maybe just doing something else that did not involve him just finding herself starting her life over but super super spoiler alert spoiler within the spoiler but she ends up doing that in the end she ends up she ends up this bank robbery these heists um sort of forces her to take off and and leave LA it was she had to do it you know but sort of these the own the circumstances that pushed her to rob the bank and sort of um that that these situations trapped her in her circumstances and then she was sort of forced to rob this bank these banks and then that kind of even trapped her in a circumstance even more because she was positioned for jail or death but it ended up that those circumstances ended up being what pushed her to go out and do her own thing. And I was like, now that I'm thinking, I, I, I didn't think of that initially, but I, I'm just, it came to me as I was, you know, recording the podcast. But I was like, that is a strange twist of fate for her that these things ended up, they would have trapped her. But they flip around and they end up being the thing that gives her freedom because she has to leave. She doesn't have a choice. She can't stay there and raise her brother and keep him in line. She can't stay there to um, keep this friendship with her friends because they're dead. You know, they don't make it. So she's she has no choice but to go. The police, you know, they're... They're going to be looking for her. So she's like, I got to go. And I was like, that's, that's, um, I didn't think of that while I was watching it. But it's very interesting that that, that turn, a twist of fate for her. Um, but then it's also kind of bittersweet because her other friends, you know, Cleo, TT, and Frankie did not, they did not have that twist of fate. Um, they didn't have that positive you know, happy ending. It's like, well, that really sucks. And it only gets more depressing after this, um, after, you know, talk about Stoney's set of events. But TT, 
Um, she has a young son. She's a single mother. She loses custody of her son after she brings him to work um, because she works, you know, all the, all the four women work together. They work for a janitorial service for the boss Luther and they clean up office buildings in like downtown L.A. She can't get um, can't get a babysitter. Or she doesn't have money to pay the babysitter. So she brings her son to work. He's like two and he ends up getting into some cleaning products. He ends up drinking them. Gets rushed to the ER. Um, but of course, they call CPS and the social worker comes and be like, okay, we're going to take your son because he was not being properly um, watched, you know, neglected. And he almost ended up dying from drinking these cleaning chemicals. So they take her son and they're like, well, you can get him back when you can prove that you have money to provide child care for him, like a babysitter or um, daycare or something like that. Oh, she ain't got no money. Um, so after that, she's like, okay, well, I'm on board because I need money to prove to this you know, social worker that I can afford to pay for a babysitter. And she can't because she wasn't getting paid that much working for Luther. So... You know, she's got to find some money somehow. Um, lastly, Cleo, um, I think there wasn't a specific set of events that they depicted on screen, but she was the only one, I believe the detective said it, she was the only one that had a criminal record. And I just got the impression that Overall, life had just screwed her over just continuously throughout her life. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe the other it was like that for the other ones, too. But I don't know. They didn't really they didn't really have a series of events with Cleo. I think the backstory and by now that she had a criminal record, I guess that was like the reference that there are some things that happened in her life that drove her to start stealing cars and stuff for um I guess Black Sam I think but she was stealing cars that was one of her charges that were on her record so I was like something drove her to that I also don't know if it had anything to do with her sexuality because she was gay she was the only one so I'm like thinking maybe there were some series of events in her past that being gay probably did not I mean definitely did not make it easier for her so maybe that I think that had something to do with it as well but what was also really sad about Cleo is that at one point during the film she says to Sony Stony something like you can go and start over in suburbia um, the rest of us are just hood rats so the rest of us, I guess she was just referring to herself, Frankie and Titi, that, and this was one of the things where I was like, okay, they're positioning Stoney to be the lone survivor in all of this because Cleo herself says, oh, you know, you can go, go and start over in suburbia. Um, I don't have no choice but to rob banks. I don't have a choice um, to do this. I mean, she's like, I already have a criminal record. What else do I have to lose? Like, I'm already doomed. My fate has already been predetermined by what I've done previously. So, and I also think that's why she was also 
very willing to be the first one to volunteer and suggest to be the sacrifice to help Stoney and Frankie get away, to be the distraction. Um, Cleo's view of her future is very short-sighted. And um, this, I would say, is a side effect of, of where and how she grew up. Another, another very sad thing about Cleo is the scene when she is shot by police. Um, the song that's being played during Cleo's death um, really sums up the women's struggle, but particularly Cleo's struggle, because I feel like she made her choices because she felt the most cornered, the most caged out of all the women. She felt like she had the least options, the least opportunities um, outside of her struggle, outside of her circumstances. And so there was no other option for her but to rob this bank or to start robbing banks. The song that's being played is called Up Against the Wind and it's by um, Christopher Williams. I mean, not Christopher Williams, <laughs> Christopher Young. I'm not sure if he was the one actually singing it in the film because I don't know. I was like, I was listening to it and I was like, it kind of sounds like a woman. It kind of it could, you know, it sounds like a guy as well. So I don't know if he like wrote the song and someone else sung it or maybe that's just how he sounds. And that, that was him singing the song, but it's a very sad song. Just hearing it the way it's sung, it's very sad. And uh, once if you're, it's played very kind of like softly in the background and I, I believe it was like played, the gunshots were being, was, you could hear the gunshots and then this song was kind of softly playing in the background and then Cleo was getting like shot in slow motion. It was like very dramatic. But the first part of the song, the lyrics goes, um, day after day, seems like I push against the clouds. They just keep blocking out the sun. It seems since I was born, I've wakened every blessed morning down on my luck and up against the wind. That's that's every that's that's all of their struggles um summed up. Every all of the events that happened to them and how they they're all cornered into making this decision to go forward and rob these banks even at the very end all their moves or all their decisions are made because they're cornered and they're like I don't have any other way out I don't have any other choices so this is what I'm gonna do on top of that all of them and I kind of mentioned this earlier but they're all all of them are disrespected or not really given any sympathy by those in power they're dis disrespected by their boss Luther. Luther Luther also steals their money that they had stashed in one of the office buildings authority figures those in power they have no sympathy they don't care about the women's circumstances the cops the CPS lady Luther Nate Nate's a guy that Sony slept with to get that money for her brother's tuition even the dudes that robbed the bank um, I also felt like they were just like, you know, all the banks in L.A. you could have robbed. You picked the one that she works at. Like you just, 
You know, I I think that maybe that they thought that Frankie was going to like more easily give the money to them. Like she wasn't going to put up a fight. I was like, y'all could have just, you went, I mean, even if they didn't know that Frankie robbed the bank, I felt like, well, I guess they were like, we're here, we're going to rob the bank. But I was like, did they even think like, okay, hey, I know someone at the bank. She might identify me. Let's, you know, let's burn out. Let's not rob this bank. This lady who's my neighbor is in the bank, you know? But I was like, they, I feel like they, they screwed her over too. Just, um, as well. Um, the women are basically at these people's mercy. Their trauma and desperation is what pushes them over the edge. And then to get through all of this, all their motivations, they are okay so the, their trauma and their desperation pushes them over the edge and it ends up it ends up making them it ends up pushing them to hastily decide to rob this bank like i i don't think they were pre- prepared at all they were unprepared underprepared they didn't take enough time to plan they just kind of rushed into it the one thing that in comparison, and I don't know if I'll I put this in my notes to mention in the next section after this, but the thing with Hella Hot Water, I felt like, um, I think it's Toby. I can't remember who is who. I don't know why they named those characters Toby and Tanner, the freaking two T's. It's just like, who is who? Um, but um, Chris Pine, I believe he was Toby in the film whichever character Chris Pine was he was like the quote unquote smart brother and I felt like he planned a lot like he planned maybe years in advance everything and he like did his research I think you know Frankie and them just like planned this over like a couple of days and like just took a couple of notes and like yeah we can do it and I was like no I just there were things that they did that I think that they had, if they had taken their time to plan it out, they wouldn't have done it. Um, there were things like robbing the, the bank and kind of like the, I think the first one, TT got scared, you know, and like, she was like, y'all not ready. And I was just like, they're just rushing into it. You got one person that's supposed to be there during the robbery and they just, they just don't go in you know what if you know they needed at least you know they needed more people to like case these banks and stuff not case the banks but like to rob the bank just to like corral everybody and, and you know keep an eye on everything and i'm like you have one person just you know if she's too scared to do the you know to do the robbery to, to participate maybe y'all shouldn't have robbed the bank like maybe y'all should wait maybe y'all should tell her to stay at home you know <laughs> tell her to not come period Cause that could have really screwed them over, and then um, there was another thing towards, I believe it was towards the end, they robbed the bank that Keith works at, and I was like, what if he was there? Because Stony ends up calling him and tell and, and tells him to meet her at some restaurant, so he's not there. But I was like, what if he's there? He recognized her, cause she didn't have a wig on. She had her little. Uh, <laughs> her little bob uh, braids and stuff. I'm like, he would have recognized her hairstyle. Like, he would have known that was her. He would have recognized her voice. 
I'm like, that was stupid. Another thing they did, they they robbed the bank that they, there was one bank they robbed that they didn't check out beforehand. Anything, you know, that could have been something crazy was up in there and they, they wouldn't have known. And I was like, why are you robbing a bank that you've never been in before? Like, you don't know they got cameras. You don't know where the cameras are. It was just a lot of stupid stuff. And I was like, you know, this was like in the 90s. I'm like, the banks, because even in hella high water, and this was like 2016 and whenever when this movie came out, it was very modern. There were there was, you know, the bank that the brother chose to rob, they didn't have surveillance, they didn't have cameras inside. Something like 1996, they barely had cell phones. So I'm pretty sure they could have found some bank in some little podunk, you know, town in the middle of, you know, somewhere in, in California, and they could have robbed the bank. Like, guys, come on now. Um, I'm just like, they did not plan. They rushed into it. Their plan was not solid. And they were fueled by, you know, anger and wanting revenge and desperation. And so they they weren't thinking clearly. You know, it was just kind of like, I, I need this money to get my son back. You know what I mean? Like, I am furious that they fired me over something that wasn't my fault. You know, something that anyone would have frozen up during a bank robbery. Like, so they were fueled by that and they were definitely not thinking clearly. Also, Cleo was just gung-ho with robbing this bank. She didn't, I think she didn't really care if she got, I mean, she hurt, she hoped to get away. But I was like, I don't think she cares to get caught because she was like really reckless. And and Sony was like, okay, here's plan B. And, and Cleo was like, plan B, we don't need a plan B, just go in there with the guns drawn and just be yelling, give me the money. And I'm just like, no, Cleo, y'all gonna get shot. I'm surprised they didn't get shot um, earlier in the film. Like they didn't well, they didn't get shot at um, in like the first or second bank robbery. Like they got lucky. And then, um, and I mentioned this earlier, but Frankie starts deviating from the plan when they rob a bank that they didn't check out beforehand. So I was like, so now they're just picking, you know, random banks to rob. They don't know what's going on. They don't know how many tellers are in there. And also, I guess I'm saying this because I've seen Hell High Water and I know how the brother planned it. And I'm like, they picking these banks where the lobby is just full of people. There's like 20, 30 people in the, in the lobby in the lobby of this one bank I'm like how are you they got lucky y'all this is like I was like this is crazy this is like this is it's, it's wild they're wilding out oh and another thing and I didn't mention this but this just got me thinking they ended up tracking Cleo down because her fingerprints were on the CD and cassette tapes that she was throwing out out of the cars that she was carjacking to be the getaway car. And I was like, Cleo, like, and she did it every single time. And I think one time they didn't get any fingerprints, but the second time that she did it, they got fingerprints. And then they they, they got her because they knew it was her because she already had a record, so she was in the system. And so they just watched her and see who she was hanging out with, and then boom, 
they got the other, you know, the other three women. I'm just like, y'all didn't plan. See, they didn't plan. Y'all, they should have been wearing gloves. Why is she throwing stuff out of the car? Like, just keep that in the car. Like, you don't have to play the CDs. Just keep it in the car. Like, you know, why, you know. And I guess they didn't have fingerprints in the car, but they, she didn't put her gloves on when she was taking stuff out of the, um, out of the, you know, the CDs and cassettes. And I'm like, she wasn't wearing gloves. Were they not wearing gloves when they was in the getaway car and robbing the bank? Like, what's going on? Like, y'all. Like I said, they did not plan. <laughs> I'm getting too caught up, but there's sort of like this foreshadowing that kind of happens as they start. You know, Frankie starts deviating from the plan. They start to the plan starts to fall apart. They start to fall apart. They start fighting over the money while Frankie starts fighting over the money, and sort of their plans fall apart. The relationship kind of. It, it it gets fractured a little bit. I mean, they apologize and they make up, but it's like if they had, I felt like if they had planned better and took their time planning, it wouldn't have, like that wouldn't have happened. So, but anyway, <laughs> foreshadowing, there are a few things that I'll just go over really quick that they, that stood out to me. Um, that were the first things that came to my mind. The very opening, before the opening scene, or maybe it's like in between the very, like the opening scene, is when they start rolling the credits. Not the yeah, the opening credits where it's showing like Queen Latifah is showing Jada Pinkett Smith's name. Um, there's a sound that they play that sounds like a gavel, like when the judge hits the gavel or like the jail bars the jail cell doors clanking together it also kind of now that i think about it it reminds me of that sound effect they use in law and order where it's like and it sounds like a cell door closing on somebody or something and i don't know if that's like okay they're criminals that's what that sound effect means or it i took it as foreshadowing or like they're trying to trick you into foreshadow like it's a trick i guess to call a red herring where it's like those cell bar clank sound the gavel sound is like oh they're all gonna get arrested and go to jail no one's gonna get away with it that's how it's gonna end so it's kind of like tricking you to thinking like oh no one's they're gonna die they're just all gonna get arrested and go to jail the end um that's not how it happened and if you've listened this far hopefully you've already seen the movie but um i was like yeah but the the foreshadowing is basically saying that they are doomed. And this made me think of... Okay, so... Okay, back. <laughs> foreshadowing. So, Frankie, they're at a restaurant. This is for... This is right before their final... The final bank robbery. They're sitting at a restaurant. And I think it's when they're at the restaurant. But anyway... It's the last, it's their final bank robbery. And Frankie says, no one has ever successfully robbed this bank. She says that to everybody. So basically, they're screwed. Like, this is not going to be, this is not going to end successfully. There's going to be some trauma. There's going to be some damage done when she says that. Because they're like, 
you know, man, why do you keep telling me that no one's ever successfully robbed this bank? That meaning that they're not going to successfully rob the bank either. That's what this is telling us. That's what this, the you know, writers and the director and stuff wants us to feel like they're not going to successfully rob the bank. And if they're not successfully going to rob the bank, they're they're not going to live and successfully rob the bank. Basically, I think that's what you could say that it's saying. So it's like they're they're not going to make it. This is no. They're not going to make it. And I think she said it before as well because I think um Stoney or someone says like why do you keep saying that? You know, she's like making them nervous like she's basically saying like ain't nobody ever robbed the ba- this bank before successfully and we're not going to either. <laughs> like it's not the kind of pep talk you want to give your um your buddies before you go in and rob this bank but also um tt got her son taken away right so the day after that they are going to rob this bank was supposed to be her court hearing to go to court and plead her case and successfully get her son back like that's what she was hoping that that was going to happen tt even tells a social worker You know, I think everything's going to be okay. And the social worker, she seems much more happy and hopeful than she was when she took the woman's son. So I was like, okay, this is too optimistic. This is going, it's, they're smiling too much. They're, they're cheerful and stuff. It's a setup. (laughs) It's going to go down here. Like she's not going to get her son back. Like it's not, something's going to go wrong. I was just like, "Mm -mm, no. They're trying to like set up this happy ending that um, TT is going to get her son back and then she's going to have this money and they can live this nice life. Mm-mm. Nope, it's a trap. It's a setup. That's, it's not going to happen. I just felt it right away. I was like, nope, no, 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 no. <laughs> and you hope that all the women ride off into the sunset with their share of the loot, but we know what they don't know the cops are getting closer and we we at least realize if they don't realize they haven't realized it already that their backs are up against the wall and that there are forces outside of them that are not working in their favor forces that are outside of their control which I guess you could say robbing these banks and getting this money was a way for them to get control back. But there are forces beyond their control that are working against them behind the scenes. And it's like, no, y'all not going to get this money. Y'all are not going to ride off into the sunset. Mm-mm, not going to happen. And the final robbery, everyone seems so much more confident like they took off the wigs and they have like these plastic masks and stuff and I was like y'all people are gonna like this is too recognizable um but everyone seemed more confident even TT who was like the shyest one out of the bunch she was like jumping over counters and and pointing guns at people like she had been robbing banks all her life that's not that's not how she was in the beginning, she she was the most hesitant out of all of them. And I was like, she is 
it's it's they are there's no turning back now they are seasoned veterans they are career criminals i guess or they're acting as if they're career criminals they're that's how confident they seem like they had just they were comfortable and they were sure of what they were doing which was like another kind of ploy to make us think that or to to shallow on the surface to make us think that they're going to get away with this because they're just taking charge of this bank they're just they are you know confident and they feel it looks like they know what they're doing but no it's not what happens and it's in this scene where T.D. gets shot so and then gradually everyone else gets killed and Jada not Jada I mean it's Jada but Stoney is the lone survivor so the next section is comparisons contrast to hella high water and this is really short but I feel like it's important also when I was watching this movie and they were talking about like robbing the banks and talking about their plans and stuff. It made me think of one of my favorite lines from Hella High Water when the old timer is in the diner and he tells the ranger the days of robbing banks and living to spend the money is long gone, long gone for sure. And that's what I just kept thinking as I was watching this movie. I was hearing that old man's voice in my head. And they were celebrating. They're like, they're going to get this money. And they're going to start their new lives. And everything's going to be fine. I was like, no. What did that man say in Hell High Water? He said, the days of robbing banks and living to spend the money are long gone. Long gone for sure. And I was like, nope. Nope. It's just, it's not going to end well gonna be a sad ending it was like a happy sad ending anyway um <laughs> so both of the films hella high water and set it off were both fueled by revenge um both have characters that were wronged in some way both wanted to get back at those in high power and get their power back and they got their power back through money because money equals freedom and freedom equals power so it was like money and they also you know kind of wanted to stick it to those in power you know kind of give them give you know shoot the metal finger to the people in power the ones that have screwed them over there are both both films have warning signs early on that the characters are doomed um there's the foreshadowing in both films that gives the feeling and gives the impression that everyone or everyone's gonna die um nobody's gonna make it out to kind of just setting you up for this throughout the film throughout both films um both also have characters that have volunteered themselves as sacrifices to save others uh gosh tanner i guess it was tanner i can't remember the actor's name but tanner volunteers or sacrifices um, volunteers as sacrifice um, to save his brother Toby and then Cleo does the same thing to save Frankie and Stoney 
Um, they've already lost TT and um, they want to stay together, but she's like, no, you split up. And so basically she kind of does what the brother does in Hella High Water where he takes the car and goes one way in the car and then his brother takes off in the other car. They think that both brothers were in the in the truck. Same way when Cleo takes off in the car, the police think all three women are in the car, but they're not. It's just Cleo and Frankie and Sonia have taken off. And because Cleo volunteers as sacrifice, it's like volunteers tribute. I don't want to say that like in Hunger Games, but volunteers as sacrifice. I guess that would be like volunteers tribute. It's kind of like Hunger Games. Um, <laughs> but volunteer as sacrifice. In um, doing that, it allows Frankie and Stoney to escape and ultimately allows uh, Stoney to get away and to the only one to literally ride off into sunset. And without, I think if she hadn't done that, all three would have been caught and possibly all three would have been shot in the car. They all would have, they probably wouldn't even made to jail the same way they shot Cleo when she got out of the car. They probably wouldn't like, okay, we don't have any choice. I don't want to go to jail. Um, Cleo, I feel like she definitely didn't want to go to jail. It's like, I'm just going to die. I'm not going to jail. Cause she's like, did all this. They're going to, they're going to send us all the way up the river. Um, as my parents would say, they're going to throw her up under the jail. And she, did they, they would have felt like they wouldn't have choice. So they probably would have got out with guns and then the cops would have shot them. But like suicide by cop. So in doing that, it, it, it allowed, ultimately it allowed at least, you know, we get to see at least one of the women, we got at least somebody that, you know, they didn't do all that in vain that everything they done at least someone got to get away with the money like it kind of I kind of felt like maybe Stoney lost so much so fast and I was like I don't want to say she deserved his five out of all of them but I don't you know that sounds kind of like they all deserve to survive they all deserve you know a second chance that the money would have provided for them. Um, especially TT with her son. But um I was like it just it it kind of made where the movie could have been like the movie that annoyed me so much. What was it? Um it could have been like the movie Queen and Slam where um, spoiler alert, <laughs> both of the main characters get murdered in the end. And it's like you're building all the way up to something. And you kind of, you feel like, well, I feel like, well, no, I think Queen and Slim, it kind of positioned to where it felt like they were going to survive up until like the very end. You feel like they were going to survive. But I think with Set It Off, it positioned them the opposite where you think that they're not going to survive. But either way, <laughs> but either way, um, it kind of makes you feel like every the the pain and the trauma that you witnessed prior in the film that it 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 was worth sitting through that if it meant that 
someone, you know, one of the women was going to survive. So it felt like it wasn't as bad to sit through this, this, the pain and the anguish and, you know, the want of revenge like them, if it meant that at least, you know, somebody survived, at least somebody got a happy ending. Um, so I was like, I, I definitely would have been upset if none of the women had survived. I'd have been like, this movie is trash. <laughs> it's like, I'm not gonna boycott and set it off. But it was like, at least, I mean, you gotta have, I mean, it's gotta have somebody to survive. Like, you can't just, like, can't just back to back to back of all these things happen. It's just like, nobody makes it out. They get screwed over even in death, you know? Like, I mean, the three other women did, you know, they got screwed over and, you know, even in death. I mean, they they did all this and they robbed these banks and got all this money. And they didn't live to spend the money, but... At least one of them did. At least somebody did. So if it made it not as bad having to, you know, witness their um, their trauma and like all the events that pushed them over the edge. And even, you know, after having made all their mistakes, they, you know, at least somebody rode off into the sunset and somebody got a happy ending. Oh, something that is that I thought was different was the interaction with the law enforcement in both films, um, their interaction with the sort of victims slash villains, however you decide to look at the characters in either of these films. Are the brothers victims or villains? Are the women victims or villains? Um, so victims slash villains, depending on how you look at it. Or... Um, I mean, who, depending on what lens you're watching this movie through. But anyway, um, the interaction between the law enforcement and the main characters is slightly different. I felt that in the Hell or High Water, I don't think the Rangers had much sympathy or any sympathy for the brothers. But the detectives in Set It Off, I think... Especially the main guy. He was going hard on Frankie when her bank got robbed. But I think as it went on and as the the police department made mistakes, especially in shooting um, Stoney's brother, he could, I think he sort of saw what pushed these women over the edge, you know, realizing that T.T.'s son was taken away and that, you know, especially... The scene right before Frankie got shot when she points the gun at the detective's head and asks him, you know, what's the procedure uh, when you when you're getting uh, when you have a gun pointed at your head? I think he had started to sort of sympathize with the women in some way to sort of understand what had happened. And especially, I think, after how they had each been murdered, um, I think that. He had finally started to get sympathy or sympathize with the with the women. Before that, he he was kind of just viewing things on the surface and not really knowing the backstory of what drove the women to do what they did. 
Um, and even the, the, I mean, the Rangers, even knowing what, I don't think, I don't know. I think, well, at the end, um, Chris Pine's character explains to the Ranger, like, you know, he kind of gets an idea of what motivated him to do what he did. But I think even then, I don't think the Ranger had any sympathy for Chris Pine's character. Detective sort of, you know, he feels like, you know, we screwed up. You know, he should have, you know, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a thug. He wasn't a, a, a bank robber or anything like that. So it's like, okay, well, now he has sympathy for for the this person that he shot. The Rangers in Hell Hot Water did not come to play. So I was like, it was just a really different interaction in response to the robbers in both of these movies are very different. So that's that section. Now we're going to end on a happy note or like a funny note. And I'm going to go over funny parts, questions, and of course the final thing in on a really happy note, thinking about what happened to uh, Stoney in her life after getting making off with the money so (laughs) there are several um funny scenes in the film (laughs) and the first one was when stoney and tt were casing the bank where keith um played by blair underwood worked i was like his approach was very very 90s it's very dated it was not very dated. It, it was very, it was very 90s, a little bit dated, but the pickup lines really haven't changed at all in the, gosh, like 20 years since this movie came out. Um, it was very awkward for me knowing what they were actually there to do. And she was just trying to like, you know, not call attention to herself. And this dude, I guess, I guess he was upstairs looking down in the lobby and he was like, well, let let me go holler at her real quick. You know, he should just mind his business, but he gets caught up in this with this woman that's robbing banks with her friends. So I thought it was really funny. Another thing I liked, and I think this is the first time when they use when I when they use the title of the film in the film I don't know why I just found that really cool and like quirky and funny when like the name of the film is said or used in the film like within the dialogue Cleo is talking to Black Sam they're trying to get some guns from him to use in the robbery and Cleo says I need something I can set it off with (laughs) she's like I need something with some little power don't give me these little old timey these little you know little bitty guns i need some power so i don't know if that was like because i i i was a kid in the 90s so maybe i just didn't know people were using the phrase set it off in the 90s or if this was something that people might have started doing when the movie came out but i was like i i want to start using the phrase set it off now more in my everyday dialogue i don't know how i will use it but it's just I like the phrase I like how she used it and I think also Frankie said it again in the in the movie as well she was I think she said something like we're gonna set it off or we need to set it off when they were like I guess about maybe about to rob a bank or something like that but it's like I need to I need to find a way to use that in my everyday life because it sounds so cool 
another funny thing <laughs> it's like two funny things um that are like related to this little part but the i believe is their second bank robbery where cleo gets the suburban and she drives straight through the bank uh, and they robbed the bank and they had the money back in the in Cleo's garage and they're dumping it out on the car and all the, the bundles, the bands of money, they tumble out of the bag onto the hood of the car and they're all like silent um, looking, you know, at their <laughs> their loot that they've just, you know, they've gotten and then Stoney yells out the way you busted through that wall and then they like grab and they're like all screaming and laughing and I was like laughing too and there is like these moments of comedy in the film and then you know y'all and then stuff sad stuff happens but it does have their funny moments another thing right after when she busts through the wall and then she backs into like the interior wall of the bank y'all I think she busted through a restaurant and it looks like <laughs> there was a, a Benihana chef uh, tossing up some stir fry. And when she backed through the restaurant, he fell face, he fell like forward onto the grill, like his hands were on the grill. So I was like, the Benihana chef got third degree burns when he fell on the grill. So I guess they were like in a strip mall or something. Like the back of his restaurant when she busted that wall the wall and like whatever decor they had just tumbled over and he fell onto the grill and then they like flipped over onto the grill and rolled off and I'm just like I know he got burnt up on that grill <laughs> and then the next one is also um <laughs> okay so there is a sex scene I mean, I guess they were having sex. It looked like it was just a massage at first, but and I, they must have had a body double because I think because they did the same thing when did they have a body double when Jada was in um, um, Jason's lyric? I think they did because I remember there was like an angle, and I was like, that don't look like Jada. Jada's like, it was like the side kind of like a back and I was like that looks like somebody else I think they used a body double in the scene where she was having sex with um the character like they were out in the field or something and then in this scene I was like that's not Jada but I was like whose booty is that they whoever's body the whoever the, whoever the body double was like they did not skip leg day they did they do all the squats but that can't be Jada's booty in that in that shot because Jada is small she's like five four foot I was like that can't that's not her that can't be her um but it's like you can't see her face so like but I was like no 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 that can't I was like that can't be Jada's that, that can't be Jada um but I did like lol when I was watching that because I was like mm-mm that's good that's a body double that's no 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 um the next one the next one's not funny but it's a question that i had it's two questions the first one how did luther know where they hid the money and so kind of like did my logical reasoning in my mind and i was like well 
the people on the news and stuff were talking about the four women robbing the bank. He happens to know four black women that work for him. And I'm like, he must have figured it out because when they first robbed the bank, Cleo like didn't come to work for a week. And so he must have put two and two together. He was like, okay, they robbed the bank. And then he went looking for the money that they had hid in the office building. So I was like, he had to he had to figure it out and then just kind of looked everywhere until like he found the place where they had hid the money. I was like so upset because at that point they had I don't I can't remember how much it was they robbed. I think it was like seventy five thousand they had gotten that bank robbery and that was enough that once they split it up they could have been done they would have been robbing they would have been they could have just went their separate ways they would have been done it's like so now they gotta and then when they made the decision to rob that last one it was really hasty like it was the most rushed out of all the robberies and it's just like they did not i mean it was the least prepared that they had ever been and i was like oh my god like you know, they wouldn't have even have to been at that bank. They could have, you know, they would have left town. They would have all been alive. But, you know, this sleazy dude had to, like, go in and steal their money. So, oh. And then when they found him, he had spent some of the money. But I was like, there's no way that, the, that he had spent all that money in a day. Because by the time they tracked him around, tracked him down, it was still the that same day. So I was like, Luther hid the the rest of the money that he didn't spend. It's somewhere. And somebody in L.A. is going to find that money or I don't know. Because I'm just like, there's no way he spent. I mean, maybe he could have. Maybe he bought like a, you know, he spent a little bit and maybe like he bought a car or something. I don't Well, So I guess he could have because I think it was like 75. So maybe he could have spent it all. I was like, whoa, you spent all of that? Oh, I was I was so upset when that happened. I was just like, oh my gosh! So now they're gonna have the rob, and there's no way like that this bank is gonna be their last their last thing because there's just no way they they barely got away with the one before that. So I was like, Mm-mm, their luck's gonna run out. It's gonna run out. The soundtrack is really really good. I like the song "Set It Off." That's you know the title track. And um, there's one with like Brandy and Gladys Knight and Chaka Khan that's really good. The one Up Against the Wind is also really good. Um, There's another one that Queen Latifah um, is rapping on that's really good. Oh, and they got that, um, I think it's by Escape. That's a really good 90s R&B smash hit. It's really, really good. Soundtrack is really good. Now, finally, we're going to end this on a really, really happy note. And <clears throat> where is Stony? Like, what do what do I think happened to Stony? So she got on a bus that was going to Mexico. And um, the end scene is her in her little red Jeep with the top down. And she's driving on this dirt road. And there's this beautiful scenery. She's like up on a mountain on this dirt road. And there's a beautiful beach behind her. There's blue, turquoise blue, beautiful water behind her. 
there's like a beach down there and I'm just like oh my god um it's a beautiful oh and the song that's playing I forgot the name of it but it's by Seal it's sung by Seal and I was like that's a really good song because it's kind of like the um it's like the happy climax you know cheering you know you kind of song that you're playing and that's playing at the end of the movie when you got somebody that made it through to the end and you just you know you're cheering for them in your seat that's the kind of movie it's kind of like the hype you up kind of song and it was perfect for that i i want to say that stony is living in a house near a beach maybe she's made her home base in mexico or somewhere else in South America or Central America, I want to say that she is well-traveled. Um, she's learned Spanish. She's seen the world. She's got like a fake passport and fake ID maybe. And she's traveled a little bit. Um, I want to say that she's married. She's found love. I think that maybe in the beginning relationships were hard for her like friend even you know friendships not just romantic relationships but all kinds of relationships were hard for her because she would have had to keep a part of herself hidden especially about her past because you can't tell a bunch of people that she used to rob banks and you think she shot people but i want to believe that she's ultimately found love and um she's living happily ever after somewhere and um nobody's looking for her i felt like the detective might have felt guilty about how how the events conspired and i don't know maybe close the case or he's not looking for her, he's not worried about her because when she was on that bus and the bus was leaving, he looked up and saw her. And he didn't like call out to stop the bus or anything. He just kind of looked and he recognized her. So, I, I mean, I, I, I'm gonna say that he's, they're not looking for her or they would they weren't looking that hard for her anymore and um kind of what the detective said that enough people had died that enough bad things have happened to her and her friends that they don't she doesn't need anything else bad to happen to her and that she can just go off and live her life that's what I um, hope for Stony. That's what I want to have happened um, for Stony. We are now at the end of the episode. Don't forget to follow Juncture Podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Juncture Podcast and you'll see the logo. You can also Find me on Twitter at Juncture Podcast. And uh, thanks for listening. And I hope y'all tune in next time.